starting in verse 25. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your sweet presence here today. We know, Lord, that you are the one who opens up our hearts to the grace of the gospel. We ask today, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts for what you have in store. God, that your name would be glorified, even in today's message, Lord, that it would go forth and it would produce fruit for your glory. And I pray that you would please, Lord, uh, lead and guide me, that it wouldn't be of my flesh that I'm speaking, but of your spirit. And I pray now, good shepherd, that you would feed your sheep. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm glad the last three years, I, last year is gone. I could use a new year. Well, today we are starting a new series, a new slash old series. Um. What we are going to do is uh, we're going to see that uh, Jesus is in every book of the Bible. If you were here way back when I started here, somewhere in 04, 05, 06, 07, we did a series called Route 66. Anybody here for that? A couple people? Route 66, just a few. We're going to uh, go back. We're in a different place in our walks, and so we're going to go through a book of the Bible every week. A different book. And uh, exciting time. And what we're going to see is this, that the Bible begins and ends with Jesus in one unfolding redemptive story. That's what we're going to find from beginning to end. From Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, to the last verse in Revelation. May the grace of Jesus be with all. Amen. Everything in between and everything before and after is all about Jesus. And what we're going to see is that this is the story of how God restores the pre-fall relationship with people through the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see Jesus. This is a story of Jesus, the Bible. What about the Bible? Let's just do some generals. Every week I'm hopefully going to give you some information on who wrote the Bible, the, the, that particular book, the author, about when it was written, some general information. Well, the Bible in general was written over a 1,500-year time span. 1,500 years. And it's amazing because when you look at Genesis through Revelation, you see this harmony and this continuity. And when you, when you put it in perspective that this was written over a 1,500-year time span, that is absolutely amazing. It's supernatural. It's God. That's what it is. What we see is that uh, the Bible, the different books in the Bible were written on three different continents. We have Asia, Africa, and Europe. The original language, there were three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. 
We have over 40 authors represented in the Bible. 40 authors from 40 generations. Isn't that neat? It's not just one generation. From every walk of life. Authors in the Bible that God used for, through His Spirit were kings. Some of them were peasants. There were um, scholars. There were fishermen. There were poets. There were statesmen. There were all kinds of different people. Forty generations of people. That's what you hold in your hand when you hold the precious Word of God. But the truth of the matter is this. There's really only one author in the Word of God. Just one. That author is God himself. He is the author of his word. Take a look. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what, is re- what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's how I hope you receive the word of God from the pulpit here. It's not the words of man. It's the words of the living God. And that's why we focus so much on putting a whole bunch of scripture up on the overhead. Because it's the word of the living God. And, um, you know, we'll come in and and as I'm preaching and others uh, step into this pulpit, we do our best to stay true to the word of God to uh, not read into it, but look at what it says and bring that forth. And we trust that God is working in your heart that you would receive that word as from God because the written word, the Bible, is God's very word. And then we go to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That is one of our core values, which are taking down to... But our core value is this. The word of God is absolute truth. We stand on that here. That's one of the the, um, truths that we hold dear. Uh, Part of the reason that I'm not really going to go through a whole lot of details about uh, the fact that the word of God is is inerrant, etc., is because that's not the focus of this particular message. But um, it's a message in and of itself. And we're not going to go there because we here at this church, this, this word of God is the absolute truth, period. That's, we start with that. That's foundational in this church. Um, and it means what it says, and it's not difficult to understand what it says because the Bible is not written for scholars or a select group of people who went to seminary. The word of God is written for every believer, every person, And so God, in his wisdom, made it understandable to all, not just to some. And so we stand on that, that God's word is the absolute truth. Now, uh, we need to understand that, yes, men were involved in the process, but men were not the origin of the truth that is in the word of God. They are simply a channel that God used. Now, what they spoke because it's recorded in the Word of God, so-and-so said this, or you know what they spoke at that time, and what is written in the Word of God is His Word. And it is, and how they spoke it and how it was written is controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who governs this. This is a work of the living God in your hands. If you have the written Word, or however you have your Scripture, whether it's online, You have the word of the living God. Now, people would argue and say it's flawed. 
because humans were involved. Really. Really. So the creator of the universe, the God who spoke everything we see out of nothing, can't get us what he intended to get us? I mean, that takes more faith for me to believe that than to believe that what we have is the living word of God. It is his heart. It is his thoughts. Because I believe God is great enough. And that's why I'm not going to go into a whole, you know, let's defend the accuracy of the Bible. The Bible is accurate. Uh, we know that in its original writings. It is perfect in the sense that it is God's word. And you could do a study on your own. But here's what I realized a long time ago. Is that ultimately it's not some kind of a, a conversation that I can have with someone to convince them that the word of God that they hold in their hand is the word of the living God I can't convince them unless this happens the Holy Spirit persuades them you see it's a work of God to even believe that the word of God is his word that's a work of God he's giving you the faith to believe that and I can't convince you. I can bring up all these arguments, and I've done this with many people, and they still walk away. Well, I don't care. I still don't believe. Why? It was, was it because I didn't give them enough information? Didn't I do it right? No, because the Spirit of God has to open up someone's heart to embrace the Word of God, believe it is the literal Word of God. And when God does that, then by faith we look and we read and we see these words are coming alive because they're the words of our living God. And so I'm trusting God that his spirit has to persuade us that this is the word of God. Take a look, God's word. I'll read uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 14. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God, that we might understand his word, the Holy Spirit. That's why I always say, when you, if you gain something from the preaching, it is because of the Spirit of God doing the work, not Dan. Because the Spirit of God opens up our hearts and helps us understand it. Verse 13, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting scriptural truths to those who are spiritual. That's why you get it. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So you know what? This is the living Word of God, and if you believe that, that's a miracle of God in your life. Praise Him for it. Amen? He is the one doing the work. And if you don't believe, I'm going to ask you to ask God to open up your heart and say, you know, Lord, I want to embrace the truth of your Word. Do a work in my heart. Because all the intellectual arguments won't do it. It's going to take the Spirit of God to do it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have the intellectual arguments. It's just it's not going to happen here. So you do that on the side with, with others, maybe, or me. Well, this series is meant to discover that the Bible has this, what I call, secret underlying thread. And it's this. Again, that it begins and ends with Jesus in one unfolding redemptive story. It's about Jesus. So what we're going to do is this. Um, I think we're 
starting at today uh, with the readings, weekly readings. Are those sent out today, this afternoon? So what you're going to do is every week, in order to prepare for the, for the coming sermon, there's going to be highlight chapters for you to read. Genesis, obviously. Where, where do you find just five or six chapters in Genesis, right? So what we do is we try to take five or six chapters, highlight them, and give those to you to read in preparation for that Sunday sermon. So obviously later this afternoon you're going to get uh, an email, I believe, and it will say in there, okay, for this week, read Genesis, I think it's 1, 3, uh, 12, 22, 28, 40-something, somewhere around there. Now you say, well, you, Dan, you missed this chapter. This is important. I get that. Okay, but I'm doing the best I can. I'm trusting God to lead me and to take these chapters and use them. Now, I'm going to give you another little hint. I'm not necessarily going to teach out of any section of Scripture that I give you to read. I probably will, but I, I don't want to say for sure. Like, for example, I can tell you right now, next week I'm going to be speaking on Genesis chapter 3, and the reason being is this. If you remove Genesis chapter 3 out of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, the whole Bible doesn't make any sense. So we want to focus on chapter 3. But we could have, which is the fall of man. Well, we could have done one, creation. Yes, we could have. Well, what about the Abrahamic pro- promise? Yeah, we could have done that too. Well, what about offering of Isaac? Yeah, I get, hey, I get it all. I, got, I only got 35 minutes and some people, and I have a hard time with that. Okay, so trust us. We're just going to do where the Spirit of God is leading. We're in a different place than we were all those years ago. And we're going to trust that God is leading us. But every week you will get some uh, chapters to just read in advance. You don't have to, please hear this, some of you love lists of things to do, right? You want to check it off. I get that. Well, here's your list. But don't stop there. You know, there's some chapters where I go, uh, some sections where it's going to be chapter 6, and then the next uh, chapter you read is chapter 8. Well, you can read chapter 7. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so be led by the Spirit. I mean, you're trusting me to be led by the Spirit. I'm trusting you to be led by the Spirit that when you start reading, you're going to keep reading, and God's Spirit is going to take you on this beautiful, wonderful journey of exposing the glory of God and the beauty of Christ in ways that I will not from up front. Because God loves you, and He's going to open up His Word to you. And so we're, the exciting thing is we're going to be reading together. So there'll be five readings a week. Sometimes I pushed six sometimes because there was too much, or I cheated, just so you know. I, I, one reading is verse chapters six and seven. I just, that was just too much. So uh, go ahead and read along with us and pray for us as a body as you're reading because we're all going through it and we want God's Spirit to really use that time. And again, the series goal is to show us that Christ is everywhere in the Bible. The gospel is all over the Bible. And that includes the Old Testament. That includes the Old Testament. Now, um, what we'll see is this, is that the Old Testament foreshadows Christ. Some people call it types and shadows. It foreshadows Jesus, and it foreshadows Christ and the gospel in uh, some of the people. There are specific examples of people. Adam, Joseph, etc., in some of the events that happened, some in in the law, in the sacrifices, in the prophecies, we'll see 
that Jesus is all over the Old Testament. Take a look again at the verse that we read because Jesus went back. And that, at that time, all they had was the Old Testament Scripture. So it goes. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into it glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. That's who God used. And the, all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus took these, uh, this group of disciples who understood what we would call today the Old Testament. It was their scriptures. And he started from the beginning to the end. He said, it's all about me, guys. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're asking the Lord to do for us. To do the same thing he did back then. To do it now. From the beginning till the very end. Show us Christ. Show us this glorious gospel. You'll also find uh, in, in this Old Testament study how the Old Testament reflects practically what the New Testament presents in principle. You have the principles in the New Testament and then you have these examples laid out in the Old Testament and you can start seeing the parallels. You're going to find as you read through some of the readings, oh wait, that's in the New Testament somewhere. Yep, go find it. There's a little cheat in your Bible. If you have a study Bible, if you have a little letter or number there, it'll tell you where it is in the New Testament. Learn how to use that. You go, I thought Jesus quoted that. Yes, he did. We'll see that it takes these principles into practicality because there's no New Testament that book that asks the deep soul-searching questions that we find in the Old Testament. Like, why is there injustice? What about, how, how, why is there blessings and cursings God talks about? I, I, as I was preparing this last week, just looking ahead and laying out the books, I was just seeing how God made promises to those who would believe and trust in him. And, and we're not going to perfectly walk with God. Uh, we're sinners and we struggle with that. But we also know that there's blessings that come with those who pursue Christ and desire to, to honor him. And Lisa and I were talking about that this week on how God's word is true, that uh, if we pursue him imperfectly as it is, that blessings come. And when we choose to uh, walk uh, away from his word, then what happens is, is that, uh, as the word says, as I read numerous times, and I will put thistles and thorns in your path. That's not comfortable, especially if you're barefoot. But what we'll see is that this Old Testament brings these questions to us through the struggles of people, just like you and I. And what we'll see is that this Old Testament in particular is intentionally incomplete. It's intentionally incomplete because what it does is it, 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 it shows you these prophecies that at that time were unfulfilled. You know, talking about where Jesus would be born, the king will come from or uh, his crucifixion. And so what we see is that there's these unfulfilled prophecies that kind of just, well, okay, who is it? There are these unexplained sacrifices. Why all the blood in the Old Testament? Why, why, is it, why an eye for an eye? You know, we start seeing that it's not, we don't have answers to some of these questions. They're not complete there's a longing that we find, and we see that reflected in Hebrews where it talks about all these Old Testament saints, they were longing for 
Christ. There's a longing in this book. So what we find in the Old Testament is that it was clearly intended to prepare us for something greater. And so as we read through the Old Testament, realize that it, 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 there, there's this, this longing, there's something, it's pointing to, to someone, and it, that's intentional. That's intentional. So I'm going to ask you to do this because a lot of times we cheat, especially when it comes to the Old Testament, especially like Leviticus and some of those other books, right? You're going to want to skip over the readings. You're going to say, ah, you know, I'm just really not into, you know, whatever book, First Chronicles or whatever. Um, so what happens is, is that I'm going to ask you to be faithful. Be faithful in the reading process as we go through this as a church. And I'm going to ask you to remember something week in and week out. Okay, I'm going to ask you to remember this. Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Say, well, what, what do you mean? Why, what's this Karate Kid? Well, everybody knows. Wax on, wax off, right? Paint like this and like this. Why? Why did Mr. Miyagi tell Ralph to do that? Why did he tell him to do that? Because he was preparing him. And the Old Testament is kind of like that. It prepares us. It, 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 sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense what's happening. And we, we go, wait a minute, it's a bigger picture. There's something broader. It's preparing us for something. So be faithful week in and week out to read the, the, the readings that are listed. Read more than that. Try to read the whole book if you can. Go through and read it because you can't really grasp the New Testament's fullness or richness without the Old Testament. You just, you just cannot do it. That's why, if you notice, if you've been coming here for a while, I like to go to like an Old Testament book and then a New Testament book and then an Old Testament book and then a New Testament book. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this now because we just went through Romans. Previous to Romans, we went through Hebrews. And you go, ha, that's a New Testament book, Dan. You messed up. Yes, but Hebrews is saturated in the Old Testament. And so that's part of the reason I chose Hebrews. And so now we're kind of getting the best of both worlds, Old Testament and New Testament in this series. You cannot grasp the fullness in the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. You, just, you, you can't get your head around it. And what does that cause? That causes awe of our great God. That's what it does. Look at what God did way back then. I thought this was just not important. You know, I just thought it was an event recorded. Now I see what God was doing thousands of years before. You go, yeah, that's our God. That's who he is. Take a look at God's word, Jesus speaking again. John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is that secret thread. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That's why we're reading it. For life, eternal life is found in Christ. And the word of God shows us Jesus. And we're going to find in the word of God that gives us answers to the questions that we have. In Isaiah 28, 9 through 11. To whom will he teach knowledge and, to, and whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast, those taken from the breast, 
For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's why we see the Old Testament is so important. That's why you see how important it will be for you this year to read through the Word of God. Because it's line upon line, precept upon precept. God keeps building on it. And then look at this. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue. Forty different authors, three different languages, forty different generations. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign language, the Lord will speak to this people. You're going to be reading from people that are in, Babel, uh, in Babylon. You're going to be reading from all different places of the world that God used to knit his word together. Again, for the purpose of us glorifying God, standing in awe. He's saying, look at this is what I've done. I have this precious word in your hand. And it's line upon line. There's nothing wasted in there. There's nothing irrelevant. It's the word of the living God. Jesus quotes from every section of the Old Testament. You're going to find that there's certain groups of things, like the first four books are called the Pentateuch. Moses wrote them. And Jesus quotes from there. He quotes from uh, the wisdom literature. He quotes from the poetry he quotes from both the major and the minor prophets. Isaiah and Obadiah. He quotes from the historical material as well. You see, Jesus knew. Jesus understood. And that's my hope in this series that we will as well grow in our understanding of God's word and the glory of God as he just displays all the things that he has done. The Old Testament foreshadows Jesus, but the New Testament presents him in all his glory, in all his fullness, in all his beauty. It's easy to find Jesus in the New Testament, isn't it? Especially the Gospels. <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> We're going to find that as we read through the New Testament, God had a purpose in the different books. They have an overall theme. And so, you know, you're looking for joy, go to Philippians. You know, there's different themes in the different epistles and New Testament uh, books. Even the Gospels have three di or four different focuses. And so what we're going to do is we're going to find all these things and we're going to rejoice in God. We're going to see that Jesus alone is the one who offers forgiveness. Jesus alone is the one who can transform us, who can take a little faith and make a great faith or no faith, and give us faith. Jesus is the one who will rescue us. We'll see that Jesus is the one who delivers us. You know, in Exodus, we see a picture of it. And then we go to the New Testament and the Gospels, and we see him setting people free. We see that Jesus is the one only who can give eternal life. And it is through his life, his death, and his resurrection. We're going to find Jesus in all his glory throughout this entire book of the Bible. 66 separate books, making up one with one author, God. And we'll see that the foundation is laid in Genesis. Chapter 3, man's fall. All are sinners. 
fall short of the glory of God. We read that in Romans, right? Romans makes no sense unless we, there's a Genesis chapter 3. That there was a fall. That man was in right relationship with God and chose to rebel and disobey. Took the fruit. And from that point on, we've delighted in sin more than God. And so because of that, we were separated from God. And that's why I call this series The Story of Redemption. Because it was lost in chapter 3 of Genesis. And all the rest of the Bible is God's redemptive plan in restoring that relationship that was there before the fall. And so we see how separated we were from God. And then what happened? God signaled he was going to take care of the problem. And he sent Jesus. We celebrated it just this last week. God in the flesh. He came and he lived that sinless life. Scripture shows us it in the epistles. It speaks it specifically. That he lived that sinless life for us. That we were required to live. But couldn't in our own strength and our own flesh. The law showed us that. Old Testament. And then Jesus goes to the cross. And he is crucified for sins that are not his own. Prophesied in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Punished for the sins of those who would believe. And then three days later rose from the dead. Now seated on the right hand of the Father in power and glory. And all who would believe by faith alone would be saved. Boy, that's the gospel. That's what we're going to see. All that stuff in the Old Testament was pointing to it. It showed us who we were. It showed us, you know, we see in Romans, he talks about all of sin and we've fallen short. And then we go to the Old Testament and we see all the ways that we do that, huh? Over and over again. Not just the, the big sinners, but what about the big people? David. Some of these other great heroes of the Bible, and we see that they struggled with sin too. And we see God's grace in so many ways, even in the Old Testament. It's the gospel. And we'll realize that this story, this book that we have of true events, the very word of God, is God's redemptive story, his plan, how he laid it out in order to bring us to that place of that restored relationship with him that Adam had before the fall. Adam and Eve both had before the fall. And that's the picture that we have in the word of God. The Bible begins and ends with Jesus. Like I said, from the very first verse, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, to the very last verse, and the grace of Lord Jesus be with all, amen. Everything in between is about Jesus. That's what the Bible is about, Christ. Now I want to say this, that um, Jesus is also the beginning and the end of 2023. We're coming into a new year, and I'm, like Lisa and I have said, I'm so glad 2022 is gone. That was a rough, brutal year for us, for a lot of people. I think nothing could have beat, it, beat 2020 well. Then 2021 came along, and then followed by 2022. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this year. But you know what? From 2020 to the end of 2023, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is at the beginning and the end of that year and this year. He's 
at the end because history is his story. It's about Jesus. And 2023 will be history in 12 months from now, and it will be Christ's story. You understand that? It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter. Christ is in control. He is sovereign as the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient alpha. He is sovereignly going to guide 2023 towards its appointed purpose. Guaranteed. Why do I say that? Because he's done that every moment of every year since creation. Nothing's changed, people. Glory to God. I'm so glad. Take a look at God's word. Revelation 21, 5 through 6. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Obviously, that's talking about the end, but it also includes this time, this next year. I'm so glad that I can read God's word and know that he is sovereign over this next year. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, so that means 2023 right there. You want to see where's 2023 in the word of God, things not yet done. God has already declared, saying, my counsel will stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. That's why I rest now in 2023, because of God. Not the crazy headlines or whatever else that I read. God's in charge. Romans 8, 31b through 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? Million dollar question, right? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, gave him, us, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Well, will he or won't he in your life? Do you trust him for 2023, regardless of what comes? Because he has one objective for everything, and that is the glory of God. And that's what's going to happen this year. It doesn't matter how man shakes his fist at God. It doesn't matter what happens in the world around us, who does what. God is sovereign over 2023. He has a plan, and it is to glorify his name, and that will happen. And we will many times in this year say, I don't get it, God. And God will remind us again, my ways are not your ways, Dan. Trust me. How many times has that happened in your life? When you can look back in that rearview mirror and realize, yeah, God, at the time I just was really confused and frustrated and, and even angry, but I see what you were doing. Trust him. God is sovereign. By grace, believe that everything you need in 2023, you already have in Christ. Everything you need, you have in Jesus. And if God did not refuse you his highest gift, if you know Christ today and he is your salvation, through grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, 
And the Spirit of God, the living God, dwells within you. That's just such a mystery to me. Such a mystery. Then you can trust that God's provision for all the lesser things will be there for you in 2023. It'll be there. So what we'll find out again over and over in God's word is this, that in Christ we will find the meaning and the purpose of life and we will find hope for today and for eternity in Jesus. Welcome to 2023. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we stand in awe of you today. God, our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in politicians. Our hope is not in striking it rich. Our hope is, Lord, in you. And you are our all in all. Everything we need, we find in Christ. And so, Lord, today as we step into this year where our faith might be shaken, even now maybe, Lord, people are struggling because of the the things that are going on in their lives, would you help us, would you grant us the faith to trust you, to believe God, you have been sovereign over all things. All of history is your story, Lord Jesus, and 2023 is included in that. My prayer, Lord, is that, Lord, maybe this year you'd come again. Lord, that we would see uh, you break through the clouds and return. But, Lord, we know that you are faithful regardless of what happens. So, Lord, cause this year to be a year where we grow in our faith in you, Lord, and our understanding of your precious word. And, God, that we would walk in a way that would bring you glory and honor and praise. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.